We light this candle as a symbol of hope, light in the darkness, a promised savior. Each year we remember the birth of Jesus and we have this gift of hope that he is coming again. Today's scripture reading is 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord for us. The Christmas season, it is uh, everywhere you turn. You can't avoid the Christmas music and the decorations and the lights and the jolly spirit. In fact, most of the time when I ask people what their favorite holiday is, they say Christmas. How many of you here today, if I were to ask you, what is your favorite holiday, would say Christmas? In some ways, it's like you can't really even compete with Christmas. Like what other holiday gets six weeks of constant advertisement, parties, candy, gifts, lights. I mean, for every generation, it's really kind of hard to compete with. Uh, we say, oftentimes, we send Christmas cards at Christmas time. We give updates on our families. We, Rachel and I post them up on a, a door frame in our house and look at all of your smiling faces and pray for you. It's just a wonderful time of the year. A little extra special for the Reisner family this year <laughs> uh, because of uh, baby Reisner who is coming very soon. Uh, the due date is December 23rd, and so we are waiting with bated breath, anticipating, very hopeful, very excited, and yet nervous, kind of all, this, all the similar things to, that a child experiences while waiting for Christmas Day. So it's really interesting for our family um, this year. Anticipation is kind of at an all-time high. Um, and as I think about Christmas gifts, for, forgive me for thinking out loud here, but is one expected to give a gift to a two-day-old? have to think that one through. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, not sure about that. Um, But that's just another great part of the season, isn't it? The Christmas gifts, the the gifts we exchange. And you probably have that list, don't you? Your siblings, your parents, your children, your friends, maybe your co-workers, maybe your grandparents, maybe a plate of cookies that you put out for the mailman, (laughs) You've got that list of gifts that you want to get. Oh, oh, and also uh, the various white elephants that you will need this year. (laughs) And some people I know who I will not name names will do one white elephant and whatever they receive there, they just take that with them to their next white elephant gift exchange (laughs) and and, and put that right in. Um, But you have to get prepared for that. And that's why you often hear people say, are you ready for Christmas? But there's so much more to Christmas than the gifts we give one another, isn't there? In fact... The whole reason we give gifts at Christmas time is because of the magi, the wise men, who, when they came to worship the Christ child, they brought gifts. That's the reason, that is, that's why it's a long standing tradition for you and I to exchange gifts at Christmas time. Um, and so, as I said, it makes the season, I think, all that more exciting. Um, we're not excited about the gifts, we're excited about Christ. But the gifts enhance the excitement 
of the season. It points, the gifts we give point to the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that gives us hope. Something you will hear a lot of the next four weeks as, as we key in this Advent season specifically on this idea of hope. It's like that classic Christmas carol says, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. God has given us the gift of hope through his son, Jesus Christ. So, even if things aren't picture perfect for you and your family this Christmas, which I'm guessing they're not, oftentimes they're not, my encouragement this morning is rejoice, press on, be grateful. Why? Because God has given to us this gift of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about together this morning. So let me introduce myself. I'm John. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Just thrilled that you're with us today. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So as we just heard from this classic Christmas carol, that line, a thrill of hope. So we're kind of pulling that out and and utilizing that as the title of our Advent series this Christmas. And so for these next few weeks, we're going to be reminded of the reason we celebrate. The coming of Christ, (laughs) Jesus. I just saw a sign uh, yesterday. Jesus is the reason for the season. The gift of hope that we have and the reason we celebrate, which is the coming of Christ. And that is his birth, but also his life, his death, his resurrection, and yes, the fact that he's coming again. The fact that one day he he will return, that he has promised to come back. In a way, this Advent is going to be a little different in emphasis. So I'm not planning on going through all the particulars of riding on the donkey and making the journey to Bethlehem, but instead celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus in light of his sure return. And so we'll actually hear a lot about his return through this Advent series. And really, at the heart of the Christmas season is this deep sense of hope for what could be. You sense that, even even in the ways that we celebrate it in our current context. This deep sense of hope for what could be. And when Jesus came when he broke into our world, his presence meant that the brokenness could be restored to wholeness. It was part of, it was a huge piece in God's master plan of redemption. And so as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, I hope and I pray that each of us has this thrill of hope. So if you've got your Bible with you today, I encourage you to open it up. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Thank you for that classic rock intro as we switch to the scriptures. (laughs) Someone's face is turning bright red right now, but I haven't quite identified who. (laughs) Uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul gives some very practical instructions for following Jesus. Um, And so I'm not going to take time to recap all of what is happening, but um, like the first few verses in chapter 12 are are really well known. Um, Paul says that we're to become a living sacrifice. We're to be transformed. Um, but today, for the sake of talking about this, this gift of hope we have in Christ, 
and what that looks like in the life of a believer, I want to key in on one very short verse, Romans 12, 12. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Paul gives us in this verse three very short, very direct, and very clear commands. And I think they're just what we need for today. As we begin the Christmas season, I think they're just what we need to help ignite our faith and encourage our hearts and help prepare us for celebrating again the birth of our Lord Jesus, even as we await his second coming. And so what I want to do is talk about more of each of those three this morning. So again, going back to the beginning of that verse, Romans 12, 12, we are to rejoice in confident hope. And I think sometimes, especially the older we get, we're tempted to view Christmas and this whole season as a little bit boring or a little bit tired or a little bit, I've done it before 40 times over. I know the stories. I've sang the songs. I've eaten the cookies and drank the cocoa. Like it's, it's tempting sometimes to view it as a little bit boring. Even the story of baby Jesus born in a manger, born in Bethlehem. Got it. But what does Paul say? That we are to have joy. We sang about that this morning. When we remember that God sent his son Jesus. Let's have Jesus go into their world. Let's have Jesus take the form of a human like them to bring hope. It fills us with joy. Joy. And so we rejoice knowing that Christ has come. We rejoice knowing that he has been victorious over sin and death. It's no mystery. It's no, it's no secret that baby Jesus in the manger is the same Jesus on the cross. So we rejoice that he defeats sin and death and, and Satan once and for all. And we rejoice that we have hope, that we are not doomed, that we are not separated from God. In fact, Jesus talked often about his return. He talked about it in John chapter 16. Verse 21. Jesus says. It's interesting because he uses the, the analogy of a pregnant woman. A woman giving birth to a child has pain. Because her time has come. But when her baby is born. She forgets the anguish. Why? Because of her joy. That a child is born into the world. And he says. So with you. Now's your time of grief, but I'll see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He says, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Yes, there are things in the world that drag us down. There is so much brokenness around us. And if that's what you focus on, if that's what you think about, if that's what ruminates in your brain and in your heart, then you are in despair because all there is is brokenness. And yet, it's when we fix our eyes on Jesus and recognize that he has a plan of redemption that's being carried out that we are filled with hope. He says that we are to take heart. Why? Because he has overcome the world. And so therefore, we not only have hope, but we are bold and confident in that hope. It's not this, it's not this uh, 
uh, wimpy sort of, well, I hope, maybe it will. It's a confident hope. Listen to what Hebrews 4.16 says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It is a confident hope that the God of the universe hears us as we come to him. He receives our worship as we adore him. So hope gives us joy. Hope makes us confident. And that confidence doesn't come from ourselves. It only comes from the victory that is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we are joyful in hope. Secondly, we are to be patient in trouble. Right? We just heard that from Jesus, from, from John 16. Uh, in this world, you'll have trouble. And we all have those seasons of difficulty and anguish and hardship. But what does he say? Take heart. For he has overcome. And you know this just as well as I do. Just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that you are going to be immune from suffering. The challenges are still there. The hardships are still there. The bad reports still arrive. Uh, Lakota shared last Sunday, uh, did a fantastic job as he preached here at MCA. And and he was uh, putting the, the capstone on the life of Joseph. And he preached this really clearly last Sunday about how terrible things happen. But God is in control. And since God is in control, we submit to him. And then our lives are lived out in a way that reflect that. Like being merciful to those who have wronged us. Like being joyful despite hard circumstances. So when those seasons come, those seasons of grief and hardship and challenge, will we lose heart? Will we lose hope? Will we lose faith? Will we walk away from the Lord? Or will we trust? He is in control. He's got this figured out. He's God and I'm not. And therefore, since Jesus has overcome, I, as a child of God, am going to press on in hope. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Because maybe you're walking through a time that's really challenging. Maybe you're walking through something that's confusing, disorienting, overwhelming. Keep trusting the Lord. Press on because Christ has overcome. Because he is in control. Because he knows what you're facing and he can help you to overcome it. In fact, we heard uh, from our scripture reading a few minutes ago that Ashley read from 1 Peter. Paul says, in all this, uh, Peter rather says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though, for, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He says, these have come, why? So that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's saying those challenging things you went through, and again, this is great timing coming off the heels of the Joseph study. Those hard things that you went through, you didn't understand them. They didn't make sense. They weren't part of your plan. God is using them. Why? For his glory. And so it's not you, it's not, it's not you doing the great things. It's God who is able to do those great things. So what's our part? Will we have faith? Will we press on? Or will we give up? So hope, this idea of hope, it's not just a present reality because 
Hope does help us for today, but hope also has implications for tomorrow and for the future and what is, is to come for us, but also for all of creation. <laughs> like, like um, for followers of Jesus, we know we're going to spend eternity with Christ. And that's a thrill of hope. For those who don't believe, we know it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be separation from God. And so, as we eagerly await, I mean, we live in this unique tension right now, don't we? Where Jesus has, he has come, and that's what we celebrate in the Christmas season. He lived, he died, he resurrected and ascended, and he says he's coming back. And so we live in the tension of this moment between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And knowing that he is coming again allows us to experience greater patience here and now. Like the, the kingdom of heaven, as we describe it, it's, it's already but not yet. The kingdom has come. It's here. We are part of God's kingdom. But it's not yet been fully realized until Jesus comes again. After his resurrection, Jesus ascended. And the scriptures tell us he's coming back. In fact, let's, let's look there this morning. Acts chap, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It says, after this, he was taken. So we're talking about Jesus. He's with his disciples. He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking up intently into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. That's part of our, our hope. That's part of the thrill of hope is knowing that one day Jesus is coming back. Part of the good news of the gospel, my friends, is that even during times of trouble and challenge and hardship, we know he's coming back. And so what does that mean for me today? How does that practically apply to my life today? What it means is there's kingdom work to be done. Because there are people who don't yet know Jesus. And he's coming back. And as much as I eagerly await that glorious reunion with him, a forever, uh, in eternity with Christ, I'm also aware of the fact that he's not come yet. And until he does, he's got work for me to do. And he's got work for you to do. He's given each and every one of us a unique purpose and plan to impact his kingdom. And right now is the time to do it. And again, what I'm saying here is, even if you are in the middle of a tough season... Don't allow that challenge to, to sideline you. What if Joseph had said, well, I guess I'm done. Look at me, thrown into a pit, betrayed by my brothers. Nothing I can do. His whole family, the whole, the whole region of Canaan and Egypt would have been lost in the famine. It's because he said, I still have things to do for the Lord, and I'm going to press on by hope. And so the, the same is true for you, even if you're in that challenging season. Maybe all the more reason why stay in the Word of God. Passionately pursue the people that God has put in your life, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates. Grow in your faith. Say, I, I, I'm not where I want to be spiritually, but by God's help, I'm going to grow this year. I'm going to get stronger in my faith. I'm going to keep praising his name. 
as part of your, as part of your purpose and plan, as part of you not giving up and pressing on in hope. It's, are you going to choose to grumble and complain, or are you going to choose to praise God and be grateful for what he has done? And you know, our spiritual enemy wants to distract you. That, that's why he, he wants you to think about the the stubbed toes and the, the disappointed feelings. He wants to distract you. He also wants to discourage you. Like you're not making any difference. I know I hear that. Where I'm like, I'm pouring my whole life into building God's kingdom on earth, into this local church. And sometimes I hear the enemy say, you're not even making any difference. I have to take that thought captive and say, I'm being obedient to Christ. And sometimes I don't see, a lot of times I don't see the immediate fruit of my ministry. But I say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you and I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to press on. I have hope because of Jesus. And so even in times of discouragement, we press on. We, we pursue the ministry that God has given us. Don't allow discouragement to sideline you. Don't allow anything to sideline you. God has a kingdom assignment for you. God's gift of hope means that you are going to persist. You're going to press on with endurance, with patience, with anticipation. And finally, to embrace God's gift of hope, as we see in Romans 12, 12, we got to keep on praying. <laughs> we got to keep on praying. Very, very simply put, we all hit moments in life where we don't even know what to, we don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to tell God about this. I'm so frustrated by it. I'm so confused by it. I'm so hurt by it. I think there are other times maybe even where we really don't even have the desire to talk to God about these things. Like, what good is that going to do? Or have, have you ever been in the situation where you say, well, I've already prayed about that. Like, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, and God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. So it's in those times where it's like, I, I don't think I even want to pray about this anymore because I already have. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Prayer changes things. And you know, it's often been said that the first thing prayer changes is you. <laughs> because it's that time spent with the Lord. It, it's, that, it's that intimacy with the Lord where, where you connect, where you share your heart and your burdens and, and even the agony. Those, those, those guttural prayers of this hurts God and I don't understand God and help God. Prayer changes things. Keep on praying. You'll grow in your faith. You'll grow in your intimacy with Christ. Prayer just helps to position us under God's authority. Where you leave that place saying, yeah, I'm not in control. God is. Yeah, this isn't on, the weight of this isn't on my shoulders. It's on the Lord. And listen, here's, here's the thing about prayer. Especially those who are like, I don't really want to pray. I've already prayed about it. It's like, God knows. God knows what's on your heart. He knows exactly what you need, the scriptures say, even before you ask him for it. God knows. So keep on praying. And yet, see, even though God knows, he still beckons you to come. He still invites you to come to him in prayer, seeking him, surrendering to him, acknowledging him. Why is that? Hmm. God knows what you want. So why would he invite you to come to him and share that if he already knows it? Because he wants a personal relationship with you. 
and you don't have a personal relationship devoid of conversation. That's why. He invites you in to converse, to talk, to discuss, to commune, to fellowship, to share those things because he longs to have a relationship with you. In the summer of 2022, I hurt my back very badly. I was laid up for weeks on end. Uh, The pain was agonizing. And even more than that was the emotional heaviness of, during that time, being physically incapacitated, I couldn't help my family. I couldn't serve the church. I had to cancel a trip out of state. I was scheduled to speak at a conference. And I really wasn't happy about it. Like, this, this, it did not make sense. And so, I let the Lord know that. <laughs> yeah, you, you would probably be, be ashamed of me as your pastor if you heard some of those prayers. When I told the Lord, this stinks. I told the Lord I wasn't happy about it. I told him, I, I, don't, I don't like this arrangement. This is not the right thing. I need to be preaching, I need to be serving, I need to be helping my wife and eight children, I need to be leading our family, serving our community. Lord, I have things to do, and yet here I am, flat on my back. Because in my mind, I'm better off serving the Lord than I am incapacitated. (laughs) And so I pleaded with the Lord, okay, Lord, heal me. I need to get back in action. I I prayed to the Lord, give me relief, Lord, because the pain was unbearable. Lord, help my dear wife, who's not only managing the affairs of our household, but now she's got an invalid that she's helping as well. She has an added burden with me. And then kind of grumbling and complaining to the Lord and, and just crying out for him to help my, my family, what I realized was that I was praying. <laughs> what I realized was that I was clinging so, de- probably with the greatest aspiration I've ever had. Crying out to God clinging to him, begging him for his help and for his guidance, for his nearness. (laughs) And I grew. Like, I grew closer in my intimacy to Christ. And I started to think that me staying busy on my feet, even in ministry, even doing the Lord's work, that, that me staying busy and doing those things is actually rather useless unless it's coming from this place of deep intimacy and connectedness to the Lord. And so even there, incapacitated, flat on my back, the Lord was saying, this is what I want. (laughs) I want you. And the day came when I was back on my feet and and serving the Lord, but I've been changed. (laughs) And it took that really difficult, like I would not wish that on my worst enemy, but that season that was so hard, and I can see it now that God used that to shape and form my own heart, to draw me even closer into loving relationship with him. And now I can say, God thinks it's more important for me to commune with him than to do public ministry. He thinks it's more important for me to have a a relationship with him and desperately connect with him rather than preach a sermon or do the things I do. And I think, church, one of the greatest ways we can pray, this is Paul's third encouragement for us this morning, is to keep on praying. One of the greatest things 
Maybe even one of the easiest ways is to give thanks. To give thanks. To simply recognize today, God has blessed me and helped me in these ways, and I am going to turn that back to him with a grateful heart. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's his will for you to give thanks. When times are are good, when times are bad, in the Christmas season, in the throes of a Midwest winter, give thanks. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to want this thriving relationship with him. It's amazing. It's like the more you look forward to time spent in prayer. And I want to say this, when you, when you press on in prayer, when you make it a priority, when each and every day you are looking forward to that time spent with the Lord, it's the absolute best way, bar none, without question, the best way to develop your faith, to grow spiritually. I mean, you can take in seminars and lectures and, and, and come to worship services on Sunday mornings. Good, do that. We want you here. Come and, and give your tithes and offerings and sing songs of praise and listen to teaching from God's word. Yes, absolutely. That's one day a week. But what about the other six? So I just want to encourage you, I implore you to grow in your faith by spending time with the Lord each and every day. The be- in fact, as we enter the Christmas season, the best way, the very best way that you can celebrate Christmas this year is to spend time each day with the Lord. And even as I say that, as I challenge you with that, for some of you, it's been a long time since you regularly carved out those five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, opened the Bible, sought the face of God. For some of you, it's been a long time. And so I want to challenge you with it this morning for the next three weeks until, until Christmas. We got, we've got three weeks. Make it, a, make it a priority. Make a commitment this morning. Every day, I'm going to get into the Word of God. Every day, I'm going to have that quiet time where I lift up my heart to the Lord and connect with Him. Don't wait until January 1st. Don't make it a New Year's resolution. Well, now I'm going to do devotions every day. Do it today and then tomorrow. And then the next day, I'm challenging you for the next three weeks. The greatest way that you can celebrate the Christmas season is to carve out time each and every day. Spend time with the Lord. And again, as we consider all of this, the coming of Jesus and the fact that we're awaiting his sure return and this challenge for us to be joyful in hope and patient in affliction and faithful in prayer, whatever your story is, I can assure you, God is ready for you eager to spend time with you lovingly waiting to guide you to speak hope and truth into your life and situation and family he wants to hear from you why i said it before but i'll say it again because he wants a relationship with you a real relationship where you connect he wants you to experience this thrill of hope that is only available through christ if that weren't true, then we wouldn't have Christmas. Then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have the, the Jesus coming in the first place. But God did that. He sent his one and only son 
because he loves us and wants a relationship with us. Again, we know what happened with the baby, that he willingly went to the cross, that he lived a perfect and sinless life, and that it took that sacrifice, the shed blood, to atone for our sins, the wrongs that we have done. That's why we're not being punished for those sins. That's why, not, that's why we're not going to be eternally condemned because we've sinned against the holy God because Jesus took our place, because Jesus took our punishment. And one day, as we saw from Acts chapter 1, he's coming back. <laughs> he will return. He's got work for us to do in the meantime. Now, I, I don't know how heavy your burdens feel today, but I know that Jesus can handle them. And so I want you today to, to give them to Jesus. Share your heart with them. Rejoice in the hope that you have in Christ. Be patient in times of trouble and keep on praying through it all. You know, it's never too late. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, Jesus beckons you and invites you. He can turn things around. And so we do remain patient and prayerful that Emmanuel is here. God with us. Sometimes it feels like all we have is hope. <laughs> no matter what season of life you're in, praise God. Praise God that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ means that you and I now have this gift of hope. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we recognize that you are with us. That even as Jesus ascended, he sent and even breathed into humanity his Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, you are with us today. You are Emmanuel, the God who is with us. And, Lord, we long to worship you and to walk in loving relationship with you. And, Lord, forgive us for the times where we've just tried to serve you on our own strength. And Lord, in those places where we do feel overwhelmed and burdened, we hear you calling and beckoning to come to you. All who are weary and heavy laden, because you say that you will give us rest. And so Lord, we thank you for the great salvation that we know today in Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who are feeling burdened today. give them the courage to lay down the burden at the foot of the cross to give it to you to trust you to not become cynical but to press on in prayer trusting you each step of the way and so Lord in this Christmas season we celebrate the good news of a God who sent his one and only son born as a baby to be the redeemer and rescuer of all humankind thank you for it. We bless you. We pray it in Jesus' precious name.